0: I can't wait what she has to give. (laughs) You know, in in the Eastern Church, the Holy Spirit is always feminine. And today, in that beautiful reading from from, uh, uh, Proverbs, we've got this spirit dancing with God and pouring forth God's mercy from the very beginning. The Feast of the Holy Trinity, it's always called the preacher's nightmare because Well, it's all theological gobbledygook, and it's really hard to understand, and as as George Carlin would always say, whenever the nun didn't know how to explain it to me, she'd say, it's a mystery. Well, it is. Uh, how do you explain that to a, a little kid? Uh, I can still remember Sister Malachi telling the Saint Augustine story that we've heard a thousand times that Augustine walking by the seashore trying to understand, figure out the Trinity, sees a little boy with a hole in the sand and he's taking a bucket of water and pouring it in the sand. And he says, "What are you doing, little boy?" He says, "I'm trying to fill up the ocean into this little hole." He says, "That cannot be done." The little boy says, no, no, more than you can figure out the mystery of the Trinity. <laughs> it's a mystery. It really is. Uh, you know, uh, 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 poor uh, uh, St. Patrick tried to do it with a, with a three-leaf clover, and, and there's just one thousand. The best explanation I've ever heard to teach children about the Trinity is, is you teach them the sign of the cross. And, and you say to her, do this, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. You got that? She says, "Yeah." Now let you. I want you to know that God loves you more times than you can count. That's not. That's about as good a theology as you're going to get from me today. <laughs> However, there is a reality in the Trinity that we do need to understand. Uh, the great theologian Karl Rahner once said that that if we were to remove the Concept or the idea of the theology of the Trinity from the average Catholic's life wouldn't make any difference at all. That's quite an indictment when we consider that, that we live and move and have our being in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. We are a Trinitarian church. And of course, the great mystery is that we say we are absolutely monotheistic. And yet there are three persons in this one God. And this drives the, the Jewish brothers and sisters up a wall and and makes the Muslims quite angry because, hero oh in Israel, there is only one God. There, there, there is only Allah and Mohammed is his prophet. That's radical monotheism. And yet we dare to say, you know, God is one. There's only one. But there are three distinct radical manifestations that we call the other persons, and these are very important. As a matter of fact, Rahner goes on to say that in the future, we are either all going to be mystics, or we're probably going to fall away from the faith. I want to push for mysticism. I want to push for that contemplative mysticism because even though we are not going to figure out the mystery, we have to contemplate it. We've got to stare at it and sit with it and allow that mystery to begin to speak to us, not to the head. The head's not going to figure out the problem of the one and the many because it's not so much a problem of one and many, it's a mystery of the one and the many. Well, what's a mystic? A mystic is one who who has an intimate relationship with another. As a matter of fact, it is so intimate that you can't tell one from the other. You don't know where one ends and the other one begins. They are two different realities, and yet they are really only one reality. That's That's the mystery of what the Trinity tells us about God. And what we need to know more about, about what we need to understand about God more than anything else is that our God is a relationship. Is a relationship. Uh, if if we dare to believe, and we do dare to believe, that God is love, if there is going to be true love, love has to have an object of love. Love always goes outside of itself to the other, so there has to be an other to receive it. Now, if that other receives that perfect love and is perfectly able to love back, then we've got this love dance between the two. And, of course, the power of the dance is an incredibly spiritual thing that draws them together. So the, the God in say, the God in itself, the, the divine word that was spoken by God and the Word speaks back to God, that wonderful Word of love, and the power of the Spirit then breaks forth from it. That's a relationship that we are called to enter into. It's the most wonderful relationship in the world. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And in the bond between the two, we are, in the bond between the two, we call the spirit. It is the divine dance that all of creation is invited to. All of creation is invited into this dance of relationship. What does the relationship do? What What does a relationship do when you enter into it? It creates an image of itself. And that's from... Everything from rocks to angels. A a rock creates an image of itself. You put a rock in sand and you take the rock out. There is an image of the rock embedded in the sand. That's a very rudimentary image, but it still is an image of that rock. The like produces like. You take a, a seed from a flower and you put it in the ground. Unless the seed falls to the ground and dies, it remains a seed. But if it dies, it produces itself over and over and over again. That's a pretty remarkable thing. It creates an image of itself from itself. And in the animal world, in the mammal world, the, the, the child that is, or the baby, or the little animal that's being gestated in its mother's womb, especially in the mammals, and comes out, it is a carbon copy of the mother and the father. It is an image of that which was creating it. and Of course, in us, it's not quite a quantum leap, but it's a pretty good leap because we are not separate from the created world. We are part of the created world. We are animals that are just a little more advanced, and sometimes I wonder about that. But we are because not only do we physically reproduce ourselves, but we also psychologically reproduce ourselves. We talk about a, a son being a spitting image of his father or a daughter being a spitting image of her mother, but not only physically, but psychologically. And I, and I want to say this, too. I think spiritually, too. Many of us have experienced our, our, our young people who are literally images of us And yet when we start talking theology and we start talking about our relationship, they are in another world. And yet, what do we say about them? What do we know about them? They may not be here today, but they're deeply spiritual. Uh, they, They deeply do love the world. They deeply do go out and and go outside of themselves, they deeply do live somehow that power of the relationship of the Trinity in them. So so somewhere along the line, I think we've got to trust that. I I know I personally, in my own family and with my own grandchildren, have to trust that. that, that the imago dei, because who are we really? We are the ones who are created in the image and the likeness of God the spitting image of God. In the imago Dei, in the image of God, we are, we are called to, to live and move and have our being. We participate in that divine image. The goal of all of this, why is this important? Because the goal of all of creation, the goal of all of these images is to do what? E pluribus unum. I think I mentioned it last week. Out of many, one. The ultimate prayer of Jesus was that they may all be one. A world that honestly believes that it is a discrete entity cut off from the rest of the world is a world that is doomed Well, not to stop the process of evolution, of spiritual evolution, but certainly to slow it down. We grease the wheels of God's grace insofar as we begin to embrace who we are in the depth. Out of many, one. But but the greater reality is out of one, many. That's the Big Bang. That's the big, the big bang is the explosion of the relationship of the Trinity in itself into all of the created world. And out of the one, many, 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 and the whole goal is for those many, 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 all of creation to come together again as one. That's the mystery. It is beyond our comprehension, but it comes alive every time we are willing to, enter into that deep and profound relationship that we are called to enter into with everybody and everything, including in the world. Look through a microscope. Look through a telescope. What do you see? Exactly the same thing. You see galaxies dancing around galaxies, for not one thing can exist outside of being a relationship to another thing. You see stars dancing around other stars and planets dancing around the stars and moons dancing around the planets and and people dancing around each other. We are called to that great dance of intimacy, mysticism, and joy. Uh, The spirit in that first reading today was playing. Homo Ludens. The world at play. The world at dance. We got a fancy theological name for the father and the son doing their circle dance. We call it pericoesis, which means this dance of love. This dance of exchange. And we are called to dive into it. To dive into it. To live it fully. Every day in season out of season it's it's the work of of god my favorite scene in zorba the greek is when somebody mentions the word dance and he says did you say dance shall we dance